0: immortals welcome back to the film alchemist podcast the show where we take the movies we love break them apart chop their heads off to find out what gives them their magic the quickening surprise. who knows i am your host josh Gravy, joined as always by my friend co-host and spanish peacock
1: alex tangino <laughs> obviously all right most, sorry it's the most spanish accent i have
0: nailed it question mark we'll get to that a lot of questionable (laughs) accent game in today's movie um before we continue on this ride of our today's double feature this gift to me uh this double feature guys a little bit of business it's official we're on patreon that's right patreon.com the best way to support the show the best way to make this show exactly what you want and deserve today's very double feature Programmed by one of our dear friends and patrons, Jason Keen over there. Uh, Great selection, right? Jason had heard me say how I was afraid to tackle my favorite movies for fear of the pods not being epic. He challenged us to step forth and we have done it. And damn, we're glad we did. So again, guys, you can have this power too. This quickening. Feel our hearts beating on a beach. (sighs) Rub your toes in the sand. We'll run with our shirts unbuttoned together through the epic podcast beaches. Um guys again that's patreoncom Alchemist pod. Get in. Meet our friends as you climb the official Highlander tier ranking system. Very apt. Finally it's happened to have crossed. TM. Yeah, you uh can select the very movies you want to hear. You can vote on Patreon exclusives in our ever growing Patreon exclusive library. We got uh, little mini shows that will be coming out over there. We're constantly working hard to find ways to make our Patreon worth your time and money. Uh, so go over there, patreon.com slash Pod. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. Uh, see our beautiful faces as well as our deep, powerful voices that yeah. echo through the ages of eternity. Uh, email us, filmalchemistpod at com. <laughs> find us on all the social media you're on. We're easy to get a hold of. All we do is just stare confused through our windows and sharpen swords. So we always look forward to hearing from you.
1: Very cool that way.
0: Make sure you leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts or just browse books on metallurgy. Uh, That helps us defeat the algorithmic overlords.
1: True. It won't
0: let us die and have children and grow old. (laughs)
1: Right.
0: Right. Guys, this is a very special day for me. Not only has this month been the month of greasing Griff, kneeling before Griff, worshiping on high from down low, the Griff. It's fine. It's only fitting in a way it's, it's poetic. But thanks to Jason's selection, right, that my month of birthday films would end with a double feature of my two favorite movies ever, Hellraiser, which is available to you guys now. Make sure you're downloading that as well. And today's film... Highlander my all-time favorite movie I'm not gonna lie I got I got the sizzle man I'm, I'm nervous to talk about it um it is impossible that I will be able to describe my deep infinite well of love for Highlander in any kind of appropriate charming clever way but I am fucking excited as hell to talk about it too it's a it feels like what happens right I get nauseous when the other immortals are around so This movie, right away, so many things I love, starts with the title card. I thought it would be very apt to just start with our title card and read out the very intro, because you know this is something I've always loved. You love the title card. Perhaps because of Highlander. I think it is exactly because of Highlander. All right, so here we go. From the dawn of time we came, moving silently down through the centuries. I'm not doing a Connery. I can't do it. No. Even a bad one. You're not doing a Connery. I can't do I, many, No, I can't do it. I always, I don't know what the fuck that was. All right. Living many secret lives struggling to reach the time of the gathering when the few who remain will battle to the last. No one has ever known. We were among you. Question mark. Is that true? Until now <laughs> I guys Highlander to me is just the perfect example of this podcast of everything I love about movies this movie has so many things working against it it should be a struggle but it also has so many things that are fucking pure magic and when you put them together this movie is so much more than the sum of its parts some of which are awesome uh it's just this epic fucking travel through time and uh different locations right these these men sword fighting for the prize that we don't even know what the fuck it is um it's a movie of high mythology with very fucking low standards for explanation um at the core of it is just this brooding neanderthal man uh who skipped acting 101 but it still fucking works it's it's an incredible feat in movie making russell mulcahy just fucking plugging in the high voltage uh cinema transitions and visuals alex i don't know i'm rambling man i'm 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 wigging out. We're talking about Highlander. I know. 400 and some episodes in. We're finally hitting my favorite movie of all time. We're here. Open us up on Highlander.
1: Highlander is an interesting film in that everything about Griffey's personality, his ethos, his thoughts on filmmaking, and what makes movies magic and wonderful. Magic. Almost strictly reside with the exception of some elements of Hellraiser, but almost entirely reside in There is
0: not nearly enough blood hooks or cum in this movie. That's my only gripe. Literally but the only
1: one. But everything that you love and value about storytelling, movies, things that make things that rock your world particularly reside almost entirely in this film. In its own pocket universe, this is the only movie Griffy watches. And feels this way. And this is a really important thing because movies that do this to us take us back. They take us there. And that, to me, is what makes movies magic. And there's no more magic in this world than watching a movie that makes you feel like a kid. Not just like a kid, but like that feeling of, like, it's not a nostalgia thing. I think this is a really important distinction. It's not nostalgia that takes you there. It's the movie you're watching that makes you think that there are possibilities beyond that is what, that is what magic or that's the alchemy that we're always talking about on this podcast. And that to me is what Highlander means to Griffey. So watching it today was entertaining and watching it through that lens makes it that much better. So when I sit down and watch a movie that starts with words on a screen first queen, God, what princes of the universe a revolutionary camera system that now is fucking used the world over this was the first time it was ever used in a film by the way. it was built by the same guy who created the steady cam and the suspension wire camera uh, that they used to film the wrestling match yeah, that is now customary in every single NFL game every single time you see anybody Fuck, over the yeah. field that's. That's what this movie. A lot of innovation, but a movie that starts with words on a screen of with voiceover, Sean Connery voiceover. I love a
0: syllabus. Love a syllabus.
1: Syllabus, Queen song, professional wrestling, and then we transition almost seamlessly. This is again like it's one of those things that you're just like, oh, I guess we're doing this now, but it totally fucking works because we've started this movie in a ridiculous way already is oh okay cool now we're gonna do this sword fight in the middle of (laughs) in the middle of a parking lot why not
0: so you skipped even a whole thing right i know the fucking bella lugosi like only my eyes are lit like a man with a secret so before we even go to the sword fight we go back in time to these wide shots of a scottish battlefield um so the first like 10 minutes of this movie this this is do you remember when we were kids and Mountain Dew Code Red came out the first
1: time. Yep.
0: <laughs> the first time you drank a bottle, you're like, those aren't natural flavors. This mm-hmm. is some kind of like chemical magic. Right. I remember thinking like Jeff Goldblum, like, yeah, you crazy bastards. You did it. You didn't stop and think if you should. Right. Like, Only nobody. I
1: don't know what the flavor Code Red is. It's just the flavor. Code it's red. red. It's it's, yeah, red. it's Code Red flavor. Whatever like, red alert is. Alert your
0: ass. Yeah. Your senses are about to be overwhelmed. That is truly the first, like, 10 minutes of this movie. Because you go into that wrestling ring, and you've got this fucking ripping Queen queen song, right? And we're jumping back and forth. It is so frantically shot and edited. Mm-hmm. You feel the vibrance of this arena and this wrestling match, right? Yeah. The Freebirds, I think, were wrestling, right? And you cut to Connor. It's just these fucking weird jump cuts, and the New Yorker screaming in his ear. And then you juxtapose that, to these wide, kind of slower shots with this serene instrumental underneath, right, yeah, then you cut back right, the real world is intrude again, Connor runs into the garage, right, Connor McLeod, mm-hmm. and he has to he gets fucking shown down by like. I don't know, everyone's accountant who are like, I think that guy's skimming off the top. Yeah,
1: apparently this guy who works for Bernie Madoff is also also an immortal, immortal, who knew?
0: Ah, Fazil, right? Fazil. And next thing you know, just a fucking sword fight erupts. And, I mean, we're talking about it's drenched in water. Again, the camera is just fucking flying everywhere. The fucking skimming-ass accountant Fazil is just doing backflips everywhere on slippery surface. Yep,
1: a lot of backflips.
0: And it ends at a head chop, and the head comes up as a ghostly energy. The whole fucking building explodes, and this man gets the power. And then they just go hard cut back to an ancient battlefield. And again to this day, that first 10 minutes never loses an ounce of jolt to me.
1: Everything about As I age everything about this is a distillation of what makes movies magic for you. And that is what makes it, that's what makes watching it so entertaining this time is because it's literally all the things like, not only that this is like another thing too, like you and I are both writers, like we've sat down and put pen to paper, pen to paper. This is another part of this that you and I have talked about is sometimes things do not really need a whole explanation as to why they occur. (sighs) And I think that that is something else that echoes through the work we've done is like, right? Like it's, you see it in other aspects of your life too. Like creatively, you sit there and you're like, absolutely no. What he told me why these guys are sword fighting. I think it's just cool. And we'll just go with it. That is what makes this thing. Magic.
0: It's, it's a fucking big old brass balls move to just call it the prize.
1: <laughs> Never fully. We get some
0: fucking flowery language as to what the prize might be, um, but if you go through the movie, there's so much that is just. It's talked to. They say something, right? Like it's the gathering. You're like, holy fuck, that it sounds like something they would be on like a Marriott conference room. Right. Like I understand. That's that. like a
1: Juggalos thing.
0: Yeah, you're like you understand the terms. You feel like, and they don't fully congeal. But th- this movie is just this. This fucking frantic race, right. right? Every time I watch this movie, I'm struck by it feels like the movie is racing to the end because they're afraid that we're going to see the magic trick for what it is yeah. and turn it off. And I, I, I still never have 20 some years later.
1: I think this is what's. this is what I've found watching this movie this time is I realize I actually do not, other than... What I don't, I do that first flashback to the battlefield where uh, Clan MacLeod uh, goes in on it with the Kurgan. This is a portion of the movie that is weird, but I'm not sure I actually need it because I'm so oh. engaged. Now it's awesome, and I don't, I, I don't have a problem with it at all. Like this is like, yeah, the, this is the power of Highlander to me is I'm watching this movie and I just. I'm watching this movie and because we've now been conditioned for 10 minutes to like jumping around when we're in the past, I almost feel like, can we just jump to the next thing? Like, let's keep, let's keep jumping. I'm really enjoying this. Like I'm yeah. get ga- I'm gathering information in this movie, but I'm like feast, I'm fiending for more. I am desperate to like get to the next thing because I just watched wrestling and I heard queen and I saw two guys sword fight in a parking garage. Like yeah. I have got to see what's coming up next. That now is see, powerful. I,
0: one of the, the like most memorable elements of the movie is the insane transition game.
1: Love it. I the love it. The transition
0: game in this is just the fucking best I've ever seen. Like I love it, right? The one scene where it's just a close-up on his face and he becomes the Mona Lisa as he's now walking in modern-day New York. So he goes <laughs> And he sharpens his sword and we zoom into his aquarium, raise up above water level and they're doing boat trips. Magic. But to me, this is the, the beauty of Highlander, right? Because I think most people approaching this story would set it in the modern times. And you would hear about the past, but you wouldn't see it as much. Because you're adding a fuckload of expense when you do that period piece Absolutely. segment in the movie.
1: Especially but Giant me, Battles.
0: Yeah, because the, the racing around modern day grungy New York sword fighting, right? Like a head lopping serial killer. Um, battling other immortals whatever you're like fuck yeah you have me on that right away that premise works yep to me what separates highlander and makes it this tale that's so much more magic to me right this this epic grandiose fantasy because it is this kind of weird it doesn't feel like a fantasy film all the time to me right there's kind of these action beats and whatever but that high fantasy of it really means the world to me so when we go back and you see the castle and just seeing your lead character who you just saw dressed as a fucking mall pedophile
1: really back in that the time
0: i mean the the duster is just such a fucking bad look like there are just some outfits that have just been taken it's over not by just a the duster segment.
1: it's the entire like it's the it's the putting like
0: if your mom got divorced in the 80s and a guy who was on and off employed was coming to pick her up for a date. He dressed exactly like Connor McLeod without the duster.
1: It's one of those things. Connor McCloud, <laughs> Connor McLeod is dressed in a way you're like, this guy does not care about fashion. Like, I think this is like the hardest I've ever seen someone rock in a pair of kids. Like, to be because completely honest. Because the thing honest. he
0: loved. Imagine if you found your look and history just took that from you. I think about this all the time. I hate wearing jeans, right? Jeans are oppressive. What if you grew up in the time of a kilt and then all of a sudden they're like, hey, put these fucking jeans on. Right. Connor McCloud is a man who suffers enormously in this film. That's neither here nor there. But to me, just that transition, right, of seeing this guy in this battle. And again, the first time you see the Kurgan, you're just like, holy fuck, that is the most metal shit I've ever seen. Yeah. Leave the boy to me. And you're just, oh, fuck, right? And Connor, I love this beat too, right? Because the way they shot this is very different, right? It's got the, the orchestral. It's a little serene. Mm-hmm. But watching Connor, who pretended he's not afraid of battle, storming through the battlefield, no one will fight me, you cowards. Um, He's literally in the middle of this fucking just pointless life and death exercise, right? Even the priest is a throat slicer. Mm-hmm. Right and he's just desperately trying to be a part of it and in but one swing right because the kurgan rears up on the horse you're like fuck yeah put that on my van it's so fucking awesome And just takes connor down <laughs> and you watch just the like uselessness of this right this this smallness of the human life but we know he's gonna go on right and so even more than the the rest of the story right this the the opening is what it is it's it's a laying the groundwork but Connor being chased out of his village through Connor and Blossom's story, to me that is the fucking grand beating heart of this movie. Yes. That as a fantasy lover, you need that kind of stuff instead of just the like, hey, we're, you know, sword fighting around New York alleyways, right? right? The, the the moment that this guy you see his body leave him from the wounds it field, right? They do the rights mm-hmm. and he wakes back up, right? You see these people who are a superstitious people that believe in God and we saw the friar like leads the charge, right? Right. This is a fucking miracle. This is a resurrection Jesus style, right? This man they love, the woman who wants right. him brought back. We all know which piece that is. <laughs> right? These people that seemingly loved him right. and would fight for him and die for him, their cousin, their clansmen. Is brought back like Jesus. They immediately don't see a miracle, but a man full of demons. Right? Right. And even Angus, he's like, please, Angus, you know, you know me and he's good. You better get out of here, Connor. I'm not going anywhere. Just the hardest cut to this just fucking vicious beating. They've got him strung up and they are beating the fuck out of this guy. They are now a ravenous, hellacious mob, right? Right. The girl who was in love with him is like, fucking murder him. And it's just wonderful not i mean it's happening right no but, the, but the, like the examination is wonderful
1: i think it's really impressive and what's really important about what i was getting at earlier is like slowing because i agree like just setting everything in new york and it being like a serial killer thing like that's a detective movie and that sucks
0: still fucking rad but
1: but i mean <laughs> no it's like boring as hell like like yeah. this there
0: can be only seven with the number seven
1: <laughs> <laughs> i I think what's nice is because you give him this, yeah, you give him this tragic backstory. Like, oh, shit. Like, I, yeah, there is, there's another, there's an element there that makes you actually give a shit about Connor McLeod. So, like, right. When we meet him, we're just shocked by what we've just seen. Then we have a reason to actually be like, oh, cool. Like, there is this other element to it. So, when we meet him further, when we meet him when we keep learning more about him, like as he meets Ramirez and all these other characters throughout the movie, even when he meets other, like I, when he meets other immortals, like that's a fucking, you're just like, Oh cool. Like all these guys kind of get that. Like life kind of sucks when you live forever. So like, I, right. I don't know if like I was reading, imagine actually,
0: being given the gift of immortality and everyone you love just decides they're going to beat your ass. Right. That moment with him and Dougal, or Cousin Dougal. And he's like, can you walk? And he's like, I'll bloody well walk out of here. And he's like, go. And he's like, I'll never forget you. Right. And him walking up that hill, literally just leaving the life he was gifted back behind. I think it's great, man. And and Lambert is not. Like, he's not going to be on inside the actor's studio, per se.
1: But, well, that's because he doesn't speak English. This is a really important thing about this movie is he had to learn I, English to make this movie.
0: Sure. I, I understand it's a. I would I argue to, that might not be his greatest hurdle, but
1: I'll be honest. I think it actually make. I don't give a shit about like the accent thing. Is whatever. I don't give a fucking shit about that.
0: It's uh, iconic at this point. I love yeah. it. I won't say. I think it's
1: wonderful. Though. What I think is amazing, and I think actually this is the advantage. I think the movie has is because Christopher Lambert in real life like did not know English before he started making this. The not like had to learn English to make this movie. Mm-hmm. So because of that there is this like shyness to the character the way the way the Lambert is portraying him yeah and that like sort of wry sense of humor that Lambert brings to it <laughs> so creepy is i it's really really it makes that it makes this is, it makes a movie that otherwise is ultra depressing cuz like if you think about yeah. If you think about a remake in 2022 is like literally the most depressed guy in the universe yeah. walking around having to be fucking immortal. He like hates it. Yeah. No, like, I, I, I agree, love it,
0: Right. But there, there's something about Lambert that he just always looks like he's staring in his dead mother's casket. Right. Like he looks so fucking drawn out. Like yeah. this is a man who's just suffered for eons.
1: I think it's because he has and a bad haircut, but that's me. He,
0: well, that does not help. But he has this real otherness about him. Yeah. And when we see him, like the date with Brenda in her apartment, where he's like, I love your place, Brenda. And he's holding the gun. You're like, what the fuck is yeah. wrong with this dude? You've been around long enough to like learn how to sling it, man. What's going on? <laughs> but there there is an outsiderness to him always which was set up when he got his <laughs> ass beat leaving that village. The only time he was happy is when he lived out in the middle of fucking nowhere where yeah. only one person had to like
1: him in a super dope castle. Oh my god, what the fuck dude?
0: I the the segment of this I have a couple like favorite moments, but the 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 arc with Blossom is by far my favorite in the movie, right? Uh, this man who, after what we just saw like happily rebuilding his life um and he's with there's this crushing line right when they're they're rolling around on the hill after possibly fornicating whatever and she just goes, "You can do that to me forever, my lord and there's just this slight little quiver in Lambert where it kind of dawns on him like i I fucking might be able to, but you won't And then that's when, again, this movie nails entrances. When Ramirez comes flying and... We are brothers. We are the same. Dude, he just comes in. Hey, what's up? I'm a metallurgist. Nice fucking. Let's talk about what happened at your old village.
1: I thought about this a lot. I was (laughs) trying to figure out... I was trying to figure out how... I I was reading online. I was literally digging. I was like, how did he ended up being in this movie. Because, like, I think it's amazing. Like, it's a great casting. Like, he's absolutely fantastic. He's
0: an Egyptian-Spanish guy who went to Japan for long stretches. I was actually Scottish.
1: I scoured the internet to figure out how he wound up in this movie. Okay.
0: So there's a great book. There is a Making of Highlander book that is, like, fucking massive and dense. I still haven't finished it. But it has so many interviews. Connery's the o- one of the only two people involved with the film that is not in it. Right. Because by that point, he had peeled back from life. But it's I think it's five bucks on Amazon. I think it's called A Kind of Magic. Right. The Making of
1: Highland. So he, <laughs> I, I literally, I could not figure out how he got cast, like why it happened. I was trying to figure out if maybe Russell okay You know Mulcahy the question I've always had?
0: Do you not imagine there was a world where someone was trying to tell them, why not just make Connery Connor McCloud?
1: I thought that too.
0: And I'm actually glad they didn't because he's so confident he's, and big.
1: Yeah. I think, I think,
0: like you said, the outsidery shyness of Connor is super important to this movie.
1: It's very important to get us through the movie because this is, and this is a really, it's, The outsider shyness, but that outsider thing is what makes us, it's what, like, it's what makes it work when he's in New York and being just part of life. Like, this is what, this is what separates it so well, because what you see is he's, he's just trying to, he's trying, it's not necessarily like trying to get on with his life, but he's just trying to, he's trying to go with the flow. And I think that's what's so great about, like, in direct opposition, you have. Clancy Brown doing the Kurgan, which is like literally at every single opportunity, stomping a huge fucking boot in the middle of life. Like I like stomping through the like going the opposite direction of the way the rest of the world is going on purpose. It's a really, really important dichotomy. So when you get there, when you see it, and when you're in the middle of it. It becomes so, it feels so, it shouldn't feel real. And it feels very, it feels very authentic in a movie that like absolutely nothing about it is going to feel authentic for like, if if you're, if you're a cynical person.
0: Well, there's, there's the great moment where you're like, that's why Connery has to be Ramirez and not Connor is when Kurgan fucking busts down the door of the castle, right? Yeah. And it's just Connery and Blossom and Kurgan fucking bust in, dude. He's looking like The Undertaker, just beating ass. And then all of a sudden, Connery jumps into action, fucking gets a throat slice. But that set piece, right, of them fighting through this fucking epic castle, throwing each other around, there's doves. I mean, they're literally hitting just giant styrofoam bricks that are rolling around. And it's just by the time they they reach the top of the collapsing tower, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just this fucking awesome matte-painted sky behind them. So great.
1: So great. Fuck yeah, dude. This is great. I I, I
0: just love that fucking shit.
1: I read that that take where he erupts through the door, Clancy Brown almost fucking took Sean Connery out, and Sean Connery stormed off set, and-
0: like what with a sword?
1: Yeah, like all, like almost fucked up Sean Connery's shit. Stormed off set. Clancy Brown had to apologize. He's like, I'm really sorry. And apparently, like he was very apologetic. And Sean Connery <laughs> apparently said, "I got to start using my stump double more." Like that is. That was his response <laughs> to that. I'm like, tell me that's not the greatest. He was like a
0: former bodybuilder before Bond, he's right. like a real legit. Tell me tough that's guy. like
1: not like the actual yeah. tough guy response. Is like, I don't need this. Like I should, I should probably use my stunt double more. Dude, I'm old, man. I'm fucking old.
0: <laughs> but no, I I just love that beat too, man. So it's Kurgan awesome. finally gets him right, and Ramirez turns around and spits in his fucking face. Right Mm -hmm. Um, because he even says at one point because there is this kind of thing in the movie like why does he have such a hard-on for mcleod specifically right right instead of the others it seems like he's just picking off the least of the immortals to gain that like percentile extra power to beat the tough guys right um but when you know ramirez is like i prepared him for you because we still never know exactly why ramirez helps him right when they're training in the woods connor even says if it was down to just me and you, would you take my head? And he never answers that, right? Right. The only thing we know for sure is he says... Because that training montage is great, right? This is where they lay out all the rules, right? We don't fight on holy ground as tradition. What? Why? You know? Uh, right. We'll be compelled to a faraway land. What? Why? Okay. Like, we can already feel each other. Here's the quickening. Here's this. You can run like that fucking deer. Breathe like that deer. Just another great bros on the beach moment. Um... <laughs> Connor underwater, he can't die, he's immortal. I love this whole... Speaking of the comedy, I gotta say, I'm just so frantic right now. The scene, there's a shot in this movie that fucking kills me, which is when he comes out of the lake trying to kill Ramirez. Already one of the funniest things ever in the movie is Christopher Lambert's underwater laugh should be my ringtone. Okay, that is...
1: (laughs) <laughs> that might be one of the that might be one of the top five like most iconic just scenes the in funniest
0: movie. shit i've ever seen in a movie right but he comes out and he tries to fight ramirez ramirez dodges his swing and he just goes i hate you that's a good place to start brother. that's a good
1: place right? to start
0: yeah and they they start going at it and i swear to god they have fish that drop out of Connor McLeod's taint, Dude, balls, yes. butthole.
1: Because they don't have boxer briefs back Yeah. Then, yeah right? Yeah, so I don't know just, what's down there, right? Just fish dangling off his dangle. Yeah.
0: Just some fish was swimming, and then he got clamped under the fucking, uh, the clan McScrote or whatever. The fish <laughs> fall out on the ground, and the camera just puts a medium on Connor McLeod, who raises his head up and gives this look like, mmm. Right? It's this ain't I a lovable scamp look that is just the face he makes at Sean Connery after the fish falling out of his butthole is the funniest shit. It's, I don't know, man. It's just, it's it's pretty wonderful. It's pretty wonderful. So the Kurgan taking Ramirez, getting his fucking power. Dude, he does that. I was like, I think The Undertaker stole his whole gimmick from Highlander. I have to do a timeline. But he rolls his eyes back, he gets the lightning, he falls. When he grabs Blossom, Yeah, it's still every fucking time to this day chokes me up. Because now I know. But back then, you still knew you're like, someone like that shouldn't be touching her. Shouldn't be in this, These this is a, a creature that is not us, right? This predatory monster and this innocent lady. It's almost shocking when they come back and Blossom and Connor are like, rebuilding right they're looking at the lost castle mourning their friend and they still go for it man she happily goes for it because that leads to one of the most devastating bits of the movie at the end yeah when she wasn't your woman
1: ramirez
0: lied and when so imagine this is the thing though that lambert's face is beautiful for his kind of like brow line and eyes make this fucking t-shirt canon of Rage and confusion.
1: Yeah. It's a real cro Magnum he, thing.
0: When he fucking hears Kurgan admit what he did to Blossom the day that he was lighting a candle for her and Ramirez. Yeah. That is heartbreaking shit. We're kind of jumping around a little bit. So walk me through Kurgan in this movie. Because if there's an undeniable MVP of the film, best thing in the movie, besides the Queen soundtrack. Right. It's Kurgan
1: for sure i mean for me clancy brown is always this like clancy brown always does these great especially as he's gotten older clancy brown does these very measured uh just like very measured very calculated like anger fueled characters he's good at, and he's good in all of them like i love him and Shawshank, Starship Troopers, as Lex Luthor, like all these characters he's done over the years, like he's he's, just fantastic. And every single Carnival, like he's always awesome. This is a him as a young, him as a young man, Mm -hmm. but like the level of off the chainness that I that, that like you get is not a lot of actors have. Here's the thing: not a lot of actors can do that. And it be considered range, I think that's like a really important thing about what he brings to the kurgan is there's a like that off the chain thing only works if it's measured by an actor who understands like that that crazy it's the same thing like that we like about Heath Ledger as the joker like that level of crazy comes from a very specific place which is just pure it's it's like pure undiluted evil in a way
0: there there is something about the kurgan that i love right because it starts off and he is just your textbook big scary monster guy right Hmm? and you see a little bit of him like enjoying the battle with ramirez right but for the most part by the time he's in new york i know his name yeah you know, my name's Candy. Of course it is. One of the fucking funniest. He's,
1: he's off the chain, dude.
0: dude. I know, but that's the thing. Up until that point, he's still pretty staccato, right? He's the stiff, scary gargoyle yeah. of There's looming doom, a lot of stoicism, doom, right?
1: yeah.
0: And then as the movie begins to pick up, right? Because your first kind of glance of him coming undone, right? Yeah. Whether this is the Kurgan how he normally behaves or the gathering is Fueling him to new levels of madness, right? Because watching it today, I was struck by... There is this vibe where... It almost feels like the Kurgan wants to lose. Right? Like, there, there is this bit of him that... He's been the strongest for so long. And it's not really titillating for him. He, there are so many times he lets McLeod go. He's trying to bait him, fuel him. There, There is this vibe that... He just can't enjoy... Anything anymore, but we're watching him try, right? When he takes out uh the guy in the alley, right? And he takes out the marine and gets his powers. Yeah, he runs at the people. He's seemingly enjoying scaring them. He cuts the car. Off. Mom, another just hilarious Amazing. cutaway is the grandma on the hood of the car. So ah! good. But I think the scene with Kurgan today that really fucked with me was when because that the church scene is obviously like the best Kurgan scene. But yeah. When he captures uh, the metallurgist lady, right? And he takes her on that car ride from hell. Mm -hmm. The way they shot that is still... Like, those pedestrians just getting fucking run over. This is the thing, though. At this point in the movie... Also, I love that he shows up to her apartment, Linda, with a fucking little popsicle, right? Like, he just got at the zoo. Like, those small pleasures. (laughs) He knows... That she knows about immortals, knows who he is, knows that he's immortal. Right. She cannot be impressed by his devil-may-care routine, right? When he's driving her through and risking mortal death, right? Right. He knows that she knows he's not in danger. He's not impressing her, and he knows that. Why is he still pushing it to that extreme? There is a a lust and wanton desire to feel a repercussion, in
1: right. my mind. Huh? I never thought of it that way. I'm not when sure. When he's
0: doing the chicken game with the semis, he knows that she knows he can't die. That's not cool. Playing chicken when you can't die is not
1: fucking cool. Yeah, I don't know. I feel he like he likes I... to
0: see that mortals pay the price. He yearns for that. I think
1: I suppose like for me, I've always just read it as someone who's I'm not sure boards the right way to put it because to me, that's not what oh, it absolutely. is. Absolutely. It is though. Right. I don't know,
0: man. Like to me, it's, well, it's the same thing when you're like, Oh, I saw a video on YouTube of a guy who fucking put a cherry bomb attached to his nutsack while his two friends watched.
1: Well, see and that begins that's... in boredom. well, all right, well, I think the analogy is apt. The I think if you're I-
0: immortal, though, you can blow your nuts off and they just grow back. We don't really get into the full mathematics. That's more of a Highlander on USA with
1: Duncan McCloud. Yeah, we don't get into that. It the- felt like
0: every season they did a handful of episodes where it's like answering Highlander fanfic
1: questions. Yeah, we don't get into fan fiction questions. on. The I fucking
0: love that Highlander series, dude. I used to watch that shit religiously.
1: But I think this is... Because I I like to think that it's a little more. It's a little. Here's here. This is why though. I like to think it's more than just he's bored because of what he does to Blossom. Like that to me is an earth shattering moment. Not necessarily for Kurgan, but okay. Think of this though. When he assaults Blossom, why? because that's
0: ramirez's woman who he's already bested and taken away right so the only thing you can glean is maybe she'll tell mcleod about it
1: see and that's so he's leaving
0: wreckage everywhere he goes
1: right but this is why i don't think it's boredom i don't think it's boredom I, i i agree with the notion that maybe he knows he wants like maybe he knows he's going to lose or what it is is He's spent the centuries like in constant pursuit of the ultimate battle. Like, Mm -hmm. he knows that McLeod's far enough away. Like, him arriving in New York City is a big deal for him. He knows that McLeod's far enough away where he doesn't have to deal with it. So, what he's doing is training up. He wants to become greater. He knows that he almost got fucking iced by the mentor. Mm -hmm. So, he has to train for McLeod. McLeod surely. McCloud is a maybe McCloud because McCloud's a broken man, like a broken man through the centuries who lost his friend, lost his lover. He can't possibly. And then maybe who knows? Kurgan might have gone back there and seen, oh, shit, McCloud. You know, the swords, no the swords stuck in the ground clouds out like he's just walking or he's just walking the earth now. So, yeah, and this is the because they don't really explain why
0: you can't just kill everyone at the before the gathering. You've had centuries. But this is, this gets to, I think there there are two kinds of immortals in this film, right? Because they never really describe why all of these other immortals are so friendly, right? It doesn't right. really make sense
1: right.
0: um, to hang out with the people that are magically compelled to fucking chop your head off, right? right. But I, I think what it is, is we see these types where, I think what Kurgan is so drawn to Connor is because Connor has the ability to still attach himself to things and care. And I think watching Connor feel that pain and lose things he cares about is the thing that titillates Kurgan more than raw power. Huh. I think he likes having the power to then watch McLeod suffer. I think he wishes because we learned the Kurgans were you know from the Russian steeps, a very ancient people. He could be thousands of years old.
1: Do you think maybe they used it's, to throw
0: their young in dog pits to make them fight for? Do food you think
1: maybe it's a jealousy of some kind? absolutely okay
0: and I, I think it's this mix of boredom, man because this thing he, he even states it right it's better to burn out than to fade away better to burn out than to fade away and it's possible that he knows the prize is hey you can just have kids and grow old right. do you think kurgan i think there's this double-edged sword where there's a part of him that wants to be done being the kurgan <laughs> but doesn't want to be done as the old man kurgan is like man that sword's really bad and my my knee gave out last week I i'm think 72 i got three ungrateful kids think, that work
1: at hot topic i think kurgan's pursuit is kurgan's pursuit is the ultimate is the ultimate battle i think because he knows he can't do any of those things yeah his pursuit then kurgan is bad.
0: battling the weight of ages on a human mind because you can there is no way you can make the argument in this movie that kurgan the ultimate warrior <laughs> who's had all of these years of battle testing and fighting thinks this is the best way to defeat
1: Connor McLeod. I mean, here's the thing. I don't think it matters to him. This is like a really, this is a really interesting thing because Russell Mulcahy, he doesn't take any time to like, I love like, yeah, like they do the cat and mouse thing with, uh,
0: when with- he hangs Linda up, on that side. Yeah, right? Like they
1: do that shit with Brenda. And I think that's fine. Like I, that's I, a Bay
0: Ray presentation for Kurgan as the audience of one. Yeah. Man.
1: I love, yeah. Like the, the silver cup studios thing. That's a fine, that's a fine beat, but here's the thing. I think there's no strategy here. And this is the thing that I like the most about the movie, honestly. And I think this is something that you pr- probably like subconsciously. This is what draws it, what draws you in because you and I have seen a lot of movies together. We've watched a okay. lot of movies, for this pod. But I think the really important thing, and you and I've talked about this when we work on stories together is the distillation of what the movie is really. And the movie to me, Highlander to me is about the pursuit of not happiness, but the pursuit of oneness, not necessarily being the one, like not necessarily the prize itself because they don't know what it is. Like when we get to the end and actually see what the prize is, I got to be honest, like, I assumed after, like, when we find out what it actually kind of is.
0: But, I'll tell you this, I've seen it a bunch. I still am not sure I okay, could explain it.
1: This is something that I want to ask you, though, because, and I am i know I'm jumping. You kind of
0: see. see the fallout in Highlander 2, but.
1: But this is, I know I'm jumping, and I know Highlander 2 sort of squashes this, but honestly, I think, I, I originally thought the first time I saw this when it got to the end, when he's talking with Brenda, I thought the prize. Brenda, was. I said Linda. Brenda, Brenda? is it Brenda? She was Brenda, right?
0: I think so. I think Brenda, I said it wrong. I said Brenda.
1: Linda. Brenda Wyatt. So yeah. Brenda and him are talking. I all like the first time I saw this movie. I presumed the prize was mortality.
0: Yes, that is a part of it. Is that you can grow old? Because right. see, this is to me that the whole movie is right. What is worth not dying for living for what right, is right. worth living for. Absolutely. Right. What is the point? And that's, that's the Kurgan's fatal flaws that there will never be enough power. Um, he can't burn out, right? He right. is exclusively fading away his whole existence. And this gathering gives him a chance to go out in a flaming ball of fire. Right. Whether he know because him and Ramirez somehow know all this other shit. So there's a chance that someone somewhere knew what the prize was and tells them, right? That, all men's thoughts and dreams are yours to know, right? Connor McLeod seems to think he can be a bridge and a hive mind
1: right. to make
0: the world a better place, which leads to part two with the fucking global warming bubble and all that kind of shit that they they really went hard for it. Let me stake this here. someday I'm doing Highlander Two on this show because the fact that that movie's a zero percent is fucking poppycock. If you're gonna make a sequel, go big and go weird. make it. don't just do a pale imitation of the first, which they certainly did not um ramirez is a ghost in that one it's fucking bananas it's bananas i think they're martians wow. Connor mcleod has a fucking like green goblin glider sword fight it's Sweet. awesome it's really a fucking what's there great not movie. to love about that apparently a lot if you talk to everyone on earth who's not me <laughs> i think i'm one of the last people that actually likes highlander too i actually have a poster for it upstairs um in my seen. hangout area anywho i but i think this is the thing right is finding something so to me the the scene that explains the difference between connor and uh, Kurgan's probably two or three favorite scenes in the movie is when he when we see blossom crest that hill huh and now she's old and connor just holds her right she's like i wish i could have had your kids they would have been fine strong kids um and she's like go let me die in peace and he won't he just fucking holds her the the implications of that right and again i know people look that old when they were like 34 back then but for at least a while 10 20 30 years right blossom is physically withering and dying she feels it in her bones all of us who have experienced aging even as little as we have we feel the difference we know we're dying we're closer to the end than the beginning right 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 Connor stays with her and watches her. Connor suffers that with her. They both know it and must not speak on it. Or even if they do, they can't, they're helpless to do it. And he doesn't leave her. He says, I love you as much today as I did back then. And I just think that, that scene means a lot to me. Even still, man, just finding something in the world that, you know, it gets hard sometimes, man. Um, For any of us and whatever we're dealing with, whether it's in our houses or outside in the world. It's hard to find something like that, man. And the fact that Connor had it, after all that trauma, he had it. And Ramirez is like, let her go, brother. I had a, a queen named Shakiko, right? And I thought I was a short man. Right? I don't know why he's the penguin now or a newsie, whatever. <laughs> really enjoying uh, this. <laughs> But, you know, he had it. And he knew, despite what Ramirez said, is that he wasn't going to leave her. right? And he would suffer that weight. And he would light a candle for her for hundreds of years to come and carry that pain and i think that's the the gamble we all make right that's why we all don't just line up to jump into a volcano tomorrow right it's because there's so much to live for even when it seems really i think that's the bad, really
1: man. important thing about what made connor tick is he sees that things scene to is
0: fucking for.
1: it's a beautiful scene
0: god even when he finishes the like where i we? we're in the highlands it's not too bad i don't yeah. know now he's connery but he, he seems he but he's sees, carrying Blossom out, and he lights the house. Of, oh my God!
1: He sees things that are worth living for, even in a life that is endless. That's even important. in the middle of World War II. Even in the middle <laughs> of World War Two. I think. I mean, personally, I think killing Nazis is an awesome way to spend.
0: But I'm saying, time. imagine this guy who lost Blossom, and he's—if you know World War II is coming, you're immortal. Walk across the bottom of the Atlantic and leave. Go ever. He stays. So when he ends up saving Rachel, right? She goes, "Why are you not dead?" Hey, it's that guy in the magic. Hey. Yeah. I that line though, I've said that it so many fucking, so many times. This drunk griffy said, "Whatever you want, you're the master race." Whatever you <laughs> want, Jack, you're the master race. It's just it's fucking so funny. But again, Connor McLeod's out there, seemingly helping in the middle of World War Two. He is a man who is has reasons to live. Is, Kurgan is looking for a reason to die.
1: There's a pursuit of value, and no I agree i mean that that's yeah. a very important aspect and I think that's what makes that's what makes the final battle that much more thrilling for some reason is because this pursuit of life and death collides in a way that is so fascinating because Look, it's a movie from the eighties. We all know how it's gonna end. Like, there's no way the guy with fucking, there's no way the guy with fucking, you know, cl- like pins in his neck is gonna be the one to, like win this one. Like, there's, just, yeah, it's not. Bergen
0: literally just infected the malls in the nineties. I remember my mom would like make me walk further into the middle of the mall so I wouldn't even be near Hot Topic.
1: Yeah. Well, this so is we like the knew- perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is like the per. I mean, oh, dude what a perfect time like the 80s like this is 86 i think so like punk fashion is like really becoming hot like we're really getting it like we're like getting out of the like we're getting out of like sex pistols territory and getting more into like what american punk turned into and you're like oh shit like this is a per like american punk and like goth punk black flagging
0: and the misfits yeah like a lot of
1: black flag shit so like oh dude yeah this is gonna be awesome like That is the vibe and that's the look. So you're like, oh, that's the otherness that the Kurgan has is he is in violation of what the norm is, so to speak.
0: Well, he is in violation of every law of nature and our society, right? He is what punks actually wish they were, right? Walking in and just putting out the memory candles. Putting out the memory Halloween, candles, ladies. Like, <laughs> like
1: yeah, t- hello late, like tonguing and tonguing the, tong- like come on, man,
0: like this is another thing I say all the time. Forgive me, I am a worm. <laughs> I say it. It's just it's better to burn <laughs> out than to fade away. And he spins around. I. There's no way I can ever express to you guys how much I love this movie uh i'm trying my best man it's just everything every fucking scene i'm like exploding with joy you know what you said earlier right is it's not nostalgia it's that it actually can transport me to this fucking place where i transcend whatever bullshit's happening to me i think for two hours i can shut off and just yeah. fucking be in this wonderful fucking tale.
1: That is what makes movies of this ilk particularly so impactful. It's not that it takes you to a, be- not it takes you to a better time, a more innocent time, a whatever time. What it does is it takes you to that place you have to go. It's not retreating to childhood. It's taking you out of the world altogether and just putting you into true escapism. That's like, yeah, that's the transformative thing about movies, and that's the transformative thing about holding on to a movie like this for your entire life. That's what makes any movie of that, any movie in your arsenal special like that. Is that that's the true escape is not oh man, I remember when I was 5 and saw this for the first time. Like what it is is oh man, I I adore watching this movie cuz it takes me to a different place. That's mm. that's the true fucking that's the true yeah. immortality of movies. For sure, man.
0: I've always had a theory about this movie. I was going to run it by you. In that final scene, when the Kurgan and Connor bust through the window, right? They're fighting underwater. They're saving Brenda from her fucking, you know, dalliance over the edge of the fucking building. Right. Um, Where where you can clearly see she's safety (laughs) harnessed. Come on. Movie magic. Absolutely
1: love it. I love it. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. Something should
0: have stayed on VHS. It's no big deal. Absolutely. Um, When Connor and Kurgan are fighting, right? There's a mm-hmm. scene when Connor starts slashing Kurgan a little and his eyes go black. Yeah. And then it's almost as if Kurgan becomes the worst fighter ever. It feels as if he's stripped of his powers. I've always had this theory that it's I don't know exactly what it would be, but the either the souls that he had digested, right? that the other immortals in there betray him in that moment and are able to withhold their strength for just long enough to Connor to get him, or that whatever those demonic creatures are, those cartoon demons in the end, yeah, that those are the kind of guardians of these powers, right? And that whoever caused all this and started it decided in that moment, and that's why Kurgan is laughing even as his head gets lopped off. Not just that he's excited to finally fucking burn out but because he knows this whole fucking contest was rigged from the beginning. Right. What do you make of this? The eyes going black. Oh, all of a sudden the the Kurgan can't fucking fight.
1: I I'd go the ladder. Like the ladder makes more sense to me because the ladder makes more sense because I think it's the more, (laughs) honestly, I think it's the more interesting result. Like all of a sudden, all these, like first off, I think it would be bullshit and like kind of disingenuous to Connor McLeod himself. If, all of a sudden, all these like other immortals are like, "Hang on, we can hold them back." Like that's some what Harry
0: Ramirez. Po- that's why they were actually bonding.
1: That's some Harry Potter shit that I'm just you don't like
0: that with. the fucking uh, Jedi ghost idea.
1: Not for not for this. I like
0: the idea that Kurgan's like you fucking bitches. I like you the idea that betrayed me in the moment. I like of the, the idea that Kurgan
1: is holding on to all this ill will, and that I like that's like this like Pandora's box moment. That's why. That's why the prize, like the true prize almost is, it's not this ethereal thing, this otherworldly thing. It's literally killing the other immortal. But the the duality of that, that I think is what's, I like like the latter theory. I prefer that one. Yeah.
0: Well, there is this idea that the prize would not work for Kurgan. I don't think he wants to be managing a darker earth. I think he's done this for so long, there is no more pleasure in it for right. him.
1: So do you think like when he gets his head chopped, I think he's genuinely excited. Do you think that's his prize? Is there is there such yeah. a thing as the prize?
0: His prize is that he remains frozen in time as he always was this legend. Eh. But he no longer has to suffer through, right? He wrote that story a long time ago. There's no more chapters. I like to that. Add. I like that. I don't a lot, think man. Kurgan gets out and is all of a sudden like I'm really stoked to fucking have kind. I don't. I want to hear hearts and dreams. That's what I want to hear. I'm going to say he has unfathomable power, but who knows yeah. what the fuck that means. I,
1: I like that. I like that idea. I like, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm down so, for the latter part of that. Thing. We
0: also didn't talk about the exact opposite of Connor's arc with Blossom is Conda. Connor's arc with Brenda, which is just kind of fueled by metallurgy and greed. It
1: feels like. Yeah, um, she just she really wants a pe- she really wants a piece. But mainly of the historical yeah. significance of life I think she's,
0: she's like i'm a f- I'm gonna fuck my way to these artifacts is yeah, what for I think sure. happened. I'll say this though one of the weird in a movie that is just the most smoothest transitions of all time right the transition from know what you're gonna say I stabbed a guy in the heart to <laughs> weirdest fucking sex scene <laughs> ever like she stabs him in the heart and is just so fucking ready. She's like, I hope you have an antique bucket and a mop
1: because it's happening right now. I think, yeah, I mean, based on this double feature, I'm not really surprised by people who get turned on by violent shit yeah. anymore. So,
0: I'm just saying, somewhere in that circle room's a puzzle box and Brenda's is going to get it. For it's coming sure. for her eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: she's going <laughs> to get a visit <laughs> for
0: sure. That transition, just that tiny knife.
1: Ah! Oh! Maybe. I think she's like, oh, cool! I can ride this (laughs) pony all night, and he's never going to tire out. That's what it is. Like his. We see from her
0: artwork, she has a Scottish Highlander. His
1: heart won't explode, and his dinghy will not turn into a fucking noodle. All
0: right, he he's immortal. That doesn't mean he has like a
1: fucking. That's a big question, though. You're do saying I'm- immortals don't have refractory periods? I don't think I'm s su- awesome. I am I do not know. I mean, I hey listen, I've never had sex with an immortal, so I'm assuming I'm guessing
0: Connor McCloud hasn't fucking clapped cheeks since Blossom died, so he's probably really bad at it. That first or- load might murder her. Exactly. <laughs> it shoots out like when he fucking gains power. He's all yeah. backed up from all these souls. Yeah.
1: That's what that's what fucking the fucking re-
0: back flipping listen, insurance thing. That's adjusters. what the real
1: that's what the real quickening is. That's why it's called that. <laughs>
0: it has been a long time. Forgive me.
1: This Lambert impression is just the best.
0: I think our impressions are not much worse than the general accent.
1: I would not disagree with that. MVP, At all. MVP one-liners of the movie, right?
0: Uh, when Connor McLeod goes, what are you, cruising for a piece of Ace?" I say that all the time to Amy. Uh <laughs> He's like, I think he went down to get a blue job. I think he went down
1: to get a blue job. Okay. Maybe
0: he was so unimpressed that with the cop, wrestling, he went to the garage and cut his own
1: <laughs> That whole beat is just one of those things where it's just like, that. My
0: favorite thing in that amazing. moment when Connor McLeod goes, uh, What are you cruising for, a piece of ace? They do another of those amazing uh, fish scrotum close ups where it's just the commissioner going, Oh. Because that cop clearly has issues with being toxic against homosexuals agree and he knows it's about to go down but yeah it's
1: <laughs> look
0: how about another mvp scene is Connor mcleod just creepy as fuck stalking brenda into the bar do you go to madison square garden i like to walk you home hey <laughs> i mean what the fuck what is happening? You have one life. I mean, 86. Was, it. yeah. It's just, a,
1: it's a different time, I guess. And <laughs> when you're living in New York and the when you're living in New York in the 80s, you know, anybody who doesn't look like they might, anyone who doesn't look, even okay, anyone who's wearing that jacket and the clothes underneath isn't a flasher like that, that, that person, yeah. that's going to work. The whole,
0: I got to say, the Brenda storyline is just so fucking clunky. The finding out that he keeps signing for dead babies, the metallurgy, the it's a really, police. Invest, there's like five storylines that she is just holding
1: together like Samson. <laughs> it's it's just back a, on that a little. It's one of those things where, again, like we talked about this with Hellraiser, too, is like it's one of those things you just had. Like, do you think there's a version of this movie that didn't have any fucking like any female like any other like female lead in it or anything like that. And it just became this like pursuit of the ultimate battle.
0: It feels like he needs to find a new blossom before he fights Kurgan to me. That blossom moment is so important. And you know, Connery telling him like, give it up. So in a way Ramirez also like Kurgan was living for nothing except for, you know, training other Highlanders to someday cut his head off my theory is that he gave him some fatal sword fighting flaw that he can exploit in a moment's notice and <laughs> chop their fucking heads off. And then we would all just live in this big fucking Spanish peacock of a world. Yeah. Which honestly sounds great based on. We're all just living a lie at this point. Yeah. Uh, also MVP scene. Connor McLeod's epic duel. Fucking love that scene. Where the fucking guy just stabs him eight times. And he's like, "I'm sorry, I called your wife a hideous warthog." <laughs> and he runs away, and the guy blows his valet away. Dude, this movie is surprisingly the, funny.
1: The valet, oh dude, there's a lot of great. The valet, like getting shot. I like, I, I had forgotten that that happened. I was like, "What?" I, I rewound it. I was like, "I must have missed like the actual." There, there are for various
0: it. cuts of this, right? So it depends on which one you watch.
1: But yeah. It's a very. <laughs> it just like happens. You're like, again, I rewound it. I'm like, I must have missed something. Maybe this guy's like a double crosser or something. No,
0: just. No. It was just because the one guy said, a big, strong man like you should not be afraid of a little boom, boom. I remember the last time I had boom, boom. And then duel. We're literally it. traveling the times. The, du-
1: uh, <laughs> the duel is like one of those great, like, I. <laughs> the duel is one of those things. <laughs> I was watching. It, I was like, "Man, Barry Lyndon is so boring because this isn't in it." You know, yeah. <laughs> like
0: R-, R-, R. I. P. Cast Gear. R- I P. Oh uh boy. I look. I I don't know, man. I feel like we've talked a while. It 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 pains my soul because I'll never ever ever be able to pour as much out right. Like when they get the the when they cut a Highlander's head off. Yeah and the lights blowing and they feel like their whole body shaking and their house could explode. That's how I feel when I watch my favorite movie, man. And I can't give that to, I don't know what I've said here that is worth
1: all of this. I think the important thing about Highlander is that that is the kind of pod that it elicits. Like Highlander is the basis for this entire pod existing. Like (laughs) one of them. We're sitting here because we at some point we're going to talk about Highlander. We dodged it for fear. For it's one of the great. It's one of the great movies in the Alchemist oeuvre. And no matter how look, I think this was a. I had a lovely time talking about this movie. No matter how it turns out, whatever whatever it is, however we both feel about it, the pro like not the problem, the passion that we have for talking about movies and the passion that you have. As this is your birthday month for this movie itself, great writing is great what writing. Made, what a hook! It's what makes this. It's what makes this podcast function. It's what makes this podcast yeah. work. So, like, yeah. getting us to the prize is.
0: This was the prize. Of this the is the pod. prize. We got to talk about Highland. And again, this is it's this obvious beloved cult classic. It went on to spawn movies and tv shows there's rpg editions for a lot of your favorite games to play i have the highlander board game highlander t-shirts highlander everything fanfic it's a beloved movie and i think that is a testament to this really fucking weird amalgam of elements and it just congealed right with this warm layer of queen over top and it just made this really fucking awesome fantasy time traveling tale um that i never get tired of man i always love the kurgan rearing up on me again right i always love fucking ramirez jumping into my life again um and i always want to help connor carry blossom man it just i don't know what to say man it, it's 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 very movie. rare that you get to do this and talk about uh, a movie that means that much
1: I agree. To you, man. it's a movie that means quite a bit to you and i'm personally very glad we finally covered it
0: yeah, it is fucking outstanding, and it's a really apt way to wrap up this month. It's been fucking awesome. Uh, a lot of my my favorite movies were talked about this month. Uh, and not even that, but just movies that meant a lot to me at various times in my life. It's been delightful. We'll be doing this for Alex in September, guys, so stay Ugh. tuned. We're going to fucking grease Alex up with aiolis, Whatever the <laughs> well, fuck aiolis are. I don't know. They're on every menu. I have no idea what they are. It's just Mayo. (laughs) So get ready, big boy. (laughs) Happy Halloween. (laughs) But no, uh, guys, thank you again. This double feature was a gift from our friend and patron, Jason Keen, who we love very much. We hope that he, the rest of the patrons and all of you enjoyed today's double feature. If you want to get in on the fun and be a Highlander yourself, Go to patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. Every bit of support is so greatly appreciated. For those who already do that for us, thank you so much. Subscribe to the YouTube Film Alchemist. Email the pod filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Make sure you leave rating and reviews wherever you find the show. Uh, just tell your friends, man. Tell your friends. Retweet everything. Share everything. That kind of stuff helps us out a ton too, guys. That's it. I'm exhausted from all the grease and hooks and head lopping what a wild and amazing birthday month uh we'll be back next month for a big anniversary four years of the film alchemist we're returning to where it all began with animals attack the pod month that's gonna be jaws that's gonna be lake placid monkey shines uh and the birds we have some very cool stuff we'll be doing a full-length feature commentary on snakes on a plane so it's going to be a wild, exciting month. Our patrons have selected My Neighbor Totoro and Blue Velvet for our Patreon exclusives. It's going to be one of our best months in a long time. We It's been very, very fun to do those. So uh, thank you guys for all the time. Stay tuned for all the great stuff. Go to patreon.com slash Pod if you want more. If you can't die and you've got time to kill, we're here for you, man. We're here for you. If you're cruising for a piece of ace, we're here for you. Hey, it's a kind of magic. We just exist here at your behest. We will not
1: burn out or fade away.
0: There could be only one. I don't know how many more I can get. How many more do you want to go with? (laughs) I'm just going to go stab a guy and get get laid.
1: (laughs) Bye. Bye.